You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. If that red light is meant to be believed, and I think it is, and well, why, why, why not to not believe it? But that means we are live, We're live again once you're on a Monday night, a little 30 minutes later uh, than we normally go live. But, you know, honestly, um, we all know whose fault that is. By the way, my name is Harry Price, a.k.a. The Moving Target, here on a wonderful new episode of Low Key Wall. So Dear Leader decided once again to spin up an episode of his show before our show. So either A, he hates us and wants to do wants to really mess with us. That's what I think personally. He hates our show, hates us. Uh B, he actually does love our show and wants to, you know, like a um, like a you know, how can I put it like a bad TV producer wants to put his show to absorb our ratings. Okay. All right. Or C, um, he kind of for- he forgot about us and turns the light off in the basement once in a while and totally forgot that we're here. I I have no idea which one. But, once in uh, a while? That's true. That's true. That's he forgets true. that we're doing it almost every week. Every week. Every week. He forgets everything. And if that, that noise, because, you know, I don't fly solo. We've got here with Vincent. Vincent, you going to go say hi? Hello. Because you just get the loud. I say the intro, and you're supposed to stay quiet on the mic until you're introduced. I do what I want. No, no. <laughs> etiquette here. There's microphone etiquette. So see, I got... see, these rules weren't explained to me in the, up front. It's I an just unspoken kind of rule. It's an unspoken I mean, rule. I mean, there's also an unspoken rule to not let uh, somebody take over your entire show on for 45 minutes on on Friday, but that happened too. So I know. You just kind of came in here, <laughs> like dealer just came in here, just like, oh, it's my show now. Let's watch what I'm going to do. You know? <laughs> anyway, so we also got here. We also joined here with Reinhold. Reinhold, you going to say hi? Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm so, not yes. sure what. I'm not in. I'm just. Not, my mind's not in the right place. That's all it is. <laughs> I've had a long day. Long, 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 long day. Yeah, me too. Me too, Randall. I had a very, very long day of doing things outside my comfort zone, and my company is really big on. It's like they once I if I could tell them like, "Hey, this is outside my comfort zone," and I'm not. I have never done this something this before. I'm not that confident on this. And, th- and as soon as I say this something like that, like, "Ah, oh, cool. That's all you did." <laughs> it's like, no, you have to no learn you how to, to do this. Figure it out. Learn mm-hmm. how to do it. Get back when you when you get really stuck. And I'm just, <laughs> it's like I'm stuck now. No, you're not. You have me tried. <laughs> I, I totally get it because my, at my job there, they, there's a trainer that's supposed to train these people, and there's two new people that's been started like last week. Mm-hmm. But they decided to let the trainers still work from home. Yeah, that works. So, so me who's haven't been there for a month yet. Mm-hmm. 
is it is the person they're asking questions to because I'm the closest person to them. So I'm just like, like I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing, and you're expecting <laughs> me to tell them what the fuck they need to be doing. Vincent Senpai, help us. <laughs> Basically, I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna do the best I can. And then, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And go, Here's all this stuff you guys to figure out, and it's like, you guys gonna ex- explain what this stuff is? No. Golden, awesome, great. Yeah. I guess I'll figure it out somehow. Yeah, Ryan Hold, what happened at your job? What was it? No, uh, it's just uh, dealing with you know PMs who are concerned about their project, and I'm on eight other projects, and they're like, "Hey, we need to get this done right now." I'm like, "Well, who mm-hmm. set that arbitrary deadline? Because the customer didn't. Was it you?" So I get to fight with those people mm-hmm. most all day long. Gotta get this done. Gotta get this done. I'm like, well, I, I, I'll get to it when I can. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, no, we'll call, we'll call, talk to your boss. Okie dokie. <laughs> Have fun. Hey. See how that works out for you. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I'll be here doing, working as fast as the thing is going to make me work on. So. <laughs> Trust me, if I can move faster, I move faster. <laughs> <laughs> If I was thirty years younger, maybe I could throw it in there and do it. But, do it um, like a good, like yeah, throw a good twelve in, a couple twelves. <laughs> See, like uh, my company, like I'm willing to do like twelve or ten hour days someday times because I have unlimited vacation time, and which it, which is code to um, if a project asks you to, you know, basically kill your, you know, you know, like basically do your nine nine six, like all work twelve hour days constantly to get something done. Once you're done, go ahead, take some time off, go, go. Take the time off, please. You know, but also try not to do that. But if you need to do that, so like we're kind of doing that right now because we're just trying to do it this um, because our uh, uh, we've got two people uh, in the company who are they have said like you know they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, they have nothing to do with it. So that week they're gonna like if everyone's gonna be gone, <laughs> we're shutting this whole thing down <laughs> and redoing everything. And I was like cool long you know hey yeah worst case scenario you've got time to get this thing back up and you know if you need me i'll be available but like try not to need me <laughs> don't break it too bad uh, yeah so so yeah we're fresh off of our uh friday show i don't know if anyone got to watch all six hours uh we did six hours on friday which for a show that we technically technically low-key well did the show we, it's our show we did that but i think that show like it needs a separate name, so I've just been calling it Walnut Fridays um, uh, because lack of a name for it, uh, which Walnuts is, is a technically a backronym, not an acronym, but uh, stands for We Are Libertarians uh, Network and Unity Team. So. so, yeah, yeah, I enjoy that term anyway. So, you guys don't. Anyway, I think you made that up. I, I did. I did make it up. That's why it's a backronym. Yes, Ace. Thank you. Yeah, Ace was there for all six yeah. hours of the stream and had, I, a blast, mm-hmm. had a blast. I talked there. to one of our viewers. They they were enjoying it until they passed out, <laughs> and they woke up with with their monitor just being our frozen faces mm-hmm. on their on their screen. Yeah, yeah. I would have to like. I was gonna like raid a different channel, but like everyone that I talked to was offline by the time he got done. I'm like, I don't know anyone. <laughs> That's up this late. I have nobody. I have to actually go search for someone. Like I was gonna kick it over to a couple of the art streamers I knew, but like they were mm-hmm. done. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we're supposed to do a four hours, then we did six, mm-hmm. six and change. Mm-hmm. So, I mean we also had the Brimzo paranormal hour that also 
which uh, was oh that was fun up, so. yeah yeah <laughs> Which, yes, thank you, Remzo. Rem, uh, mm-hmm. well, on the run with Remzo, uh, he shared his paranormal podcast, in which we definitely going to have to have Remzo back on the show and do probably like on a Monday night, probably see if we can get him for some paranormal stuff or another Friday night. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. We also had Boss Hog show up, which was a, which was a huge blast. Um, he was on location out there in the woods. So I tried to make a improv joke right at the beginning of the show and it fell flat on its face. As per usual, <laughs> well, because yeah. I'm a professional. It's uh, it's part of your charm, right? It's part of your charm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, today's episode uh, is named. Do you want to you want to say the name, Vincent? Oh, uh, the 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 subtitle or the the actual full name? No, the the name, not the description. So, it's a goodbye, kids in the wing. Yeah, because uh, Harry's going to talk about Gundam Wing, and Reinhold's going to talk about Kids in the Hall, and I'm going to talk about Goodbye, Mr. Despair, which is and, um, not in that order. Explain, you're explaining that so that certain people who don't get the titles would be able to understand them, right? Precisely. Cool. <laughs> I need a soundboard, so I just go like, boom, F those people. <laughs> F those people. <laughs> No, 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 no. For those there on the Friday show, Spankle showed up and said that he didn't get our titles. Mm-hmm. He said other people did. He just thought our titles were weird. Yeah, he hate, hated our titles, hated <laughs> our... Yeah, so. So, you're going to get a double dose, extra titles, and extra descriptions this time. <laughs> <laughs> get more of it. More of the same. Uh, all right, so... I'm going to blab on for a while with Gundam Wing and we'll fill time in. Um, so usually like I pick which one of the guys are going to go first. So I'll let you two pick which one do you two want to go first. I say hand it over to Vincent. Let him go so I can sandwich in or something. That's fair. So the anime I'm talking about uh, is called Goodbye Mr. Despair. Uh for me, it's it was one of the first anime I ever found by myself. Uh, I found it when I was in high school. I was in a uh, programming class, and my teacher was very cool about being, once you finish the project, you're free to do whatever you were, you were doing. So me and my friends would finish the project in the two of the, the six days was due, and we spent the next four days either reading manga, watching anime, or playing games as a unit because we were we are just a click in that class and i found this and i immediately loved it because it's so weird and you could definitely tell it came out in 2010 because it's a satire of the slice of life genre of anime which is you know people living their life their everyday life but it's also a surrealist comedy, a surrealist dark comedy. Oh, to... so so it's great for the season. The oh, season. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, case in point, the very first scene of the entire episode is that you meet one of the main characters, who is a super positive satire of the stereotypical female lead in a slice of life anime, who's super positive who goes by uh, Kefka, 
and she's walking down this path with trees full of cherry blossoms blooming in spring. And then she sees this man um, suspended from one of them. And her first response is to run up, grab him by the legs and say, no, you can't do that. And yank him down till the, the tree branch breaks. And then he gets up coughing and yells at her, asking him, what was she trying to do? Kill him. And then they end up having a discussion on she believes that nobody should uh, can perish during the spring because the spring is for life and nobody's allowed to die during that time. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very dark and weird because they end up talking about what that situation is and she calls it uh, getting taller. Is that They're trying to become taller. And she was talking about how she's her dad has tried to become taller multiple times, like after the company closed and after they couldn't pay the bills and after the mobster showed up. <laughs> and it is that kind of humor that I was immediately drawn in of like, where is this going? And I have no idea what is happening. <laughs> Getting taller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember <clears throat> I grew up with uh, Steve Martin. We would say we mm-hmm. were getting small. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's probably a different thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it, be, yeah. because yeah. it plays on the tropes of the slice of life genre, it has a lot of. It has a bunch of the distinct characteristics, especially of the time of some of the characters, like the the class the class president who is this well put together and knows everything and is lead is basically the leader of the class. But that character it, a isn't the student council president, but everybody thinks she is. And B, she's she's so psychotic about equality and following the rules that she has a mental breakdown when she has to try to split a strawberry shortcake with that had five strawberries on it seven ways because everybody had to have the same amount of cake and the same amount of strawberries and to the point where she she has a breakdown throws it all in a blender and goes here that's the only way to split it up evenly <laughs> and everybody's not wrong all confused after she spins like because it starts off as the group just gets slowly bigger and bigger and it was like, oh yeah, it was four people, and she would split it. Each person would get a strawberry and a hat, a strawberry and a quarter, and then she'd split it. And then somebody else came in, so they had to split what they already split further down to the point where it was just slivers. And she's like, I can't, I can't math it. Blender, moving on. And like, there's the the character that's super quiet and and doesn't really speak. But the thing is, is she has a tie, and underneath the tie is her email address. So when the teacher like, texts her and goes, all right, cool, I want to get to know you, uh, she's actually an internet shit-posting troll <laughs> who okay. starts, he calls him like a worthless piece of shit, that, he, that he's a terrible teacher, and what is he even trying to do? It's like the whole premise that there's this cute, quiet girl who just tears everybody to shreds verbally, but through text message. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a, oof. Oof, that's an awful take on Shining Finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Precursor of social media, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's a, that's there's a bunch of weird characters like that. 
and a bunch of episodes that are, that are absurd, but the main character is that there's the guy that she pulled down, who is the teacher of this class, who is the titular Mr. Despair, who sees everything in a pessimistic light, no matter what it is. And to the point where he has a conversation with the school counselor, and he goes, all right, my life is over, because I scanned my ID that had that had also had my credit card in it on the, the turnstiles that let them go, go into the train. It's like, well, somebody's going to steal my identity and ruin me, so I might as well just be, be done. But I'm going to end myself because my life's over. They have all my information. She's like, that's not how any of this works. That's not how that works. And he's like, but it's, it's obvious that they went above and beyond, and they're going to get it, and once they get it, my life is done. Might as well just end it now. <laughs> and eventually she talks him down. It's like, look, I don't care what mental breakdown you're having. I need you to go help this student. He's like, uh, I'll deal with that student later. I can just, I'd rather die first. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's just that kind of absurd. There's there's a point where he has a montage about how being richer makes you have a better life. So he, he experiences life being a, a wealthy billionaire to the point where he feel he ends up feeling like his life is empty and tries to drown himself in Dom Perignon, but runs out of Dom Perignon before he can drown himself. So he just comes back to the class like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the that's the whole crux of the show where it's them being they're them doing the most absurd takes on everyday concepts. In in hilarious and really random ways, they they end up having to do a, a school. They have to participate in the culture festival. So the teacher says, "No, no, no we have to participate to the level of the Japanese government." It means we have to give as little effort as possible. So they end up going through a montage of them giving less and less effort <laughs> to to present something to this cultural festival. Stand up comedy. <laughs> ah, that 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 joke's too funny. Cut it. Need to move something. Less effort. Less effort. Hmm. Somebody tells a, a fairy tale. Ah, oh, he's too good at telling the fairy tale. Less effort. Cut it. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> and the, eventually, it boils down to them just watching mitochondria split in a in a in a under a microscope, and then it, it's the it's the most minimal thing we can do. Just watch that happen. <laughs> we can just sit here and just watch this one yes. thing happen. Yes. <laughs> everything else was too much effort. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. So I enjoy it. It's really absurd. It, there's some moments that are just out of left field, but they also make a lot of connections with with the 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 characters of like Slice of Life, the the stereotypical this character is is the center of attention, but they're actually terrible at it, etc. So mm-hmm. it's this is one of those shows that it's that once you're if you're into absurdist comedy with a side of cultural di- dissection, there's a whole episode where there's a they're walking the streets and the streets have signs for designated roads where people 
make excuses on why they they can't do that stuff. So it's like, here's the film escape road, and it's like, well, why is your film better? It's like, well, it's an adaptation, and the source material uh, would have been better. It's like, but why don't you just do the source material? It's like, well, the studios didn't want it, so uh, it's the studio's fault, not mine. So I'm gonna go this way. There's a series of of that kind of thing of like the it's a failed cookie, a failed mm-hmm. wife who who can't cook, but because she blames the recipe and the recipe's bad, it's not her who who messed up the recipe. It was the recipe that was bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those series that's that is absurdist comedy that's also very dark and twisted, where you have a your main character. Almost every episode attempts to uh, take his own life. So, and you picked this up in middle school, like was high school, high school, high school. Found it in high school. I was sixteen, so of course that's like the perfect time Mm -hmm. to find a series that is edgy as 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 hell like that. Mm -hmm. Also, doesn't help like they have like couple sequel series that have no connection to the first series at all, just all the same characters. So it's more absurd. Cause like I know one of the series starts off with an alien invasion, and the pe- and all the characters get possessed, and then the next episode it's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I enjoy it. It's well, it's one of my favorite series because because of the absurdist humor to it, and <laughs> and because I was one of the first things I found by myself <laughs> randomly on the internet when like internet was still not as prevalent as it is now especially not anime anime was definitely as prevalent as it is now yeah especially 10 years ago at this point 12 years ago so yeah yeah well that was the main reason to go to anime conventions to pick up anime you know bootlegs and right. stuff like that you know traits so, you know. all right and that was what is it was it called goodbye mr despair mr goodbye mr despair the the whole joke is that it was name written in kanji together says mm-hmm. Mr. is Mr. Despair. Hmm. So like what? So like his first name and his last name, when you put it vertically mm-hmm. uh, on top of each other, it says Mr. Despair. Oh okay. and his whole family's like that. So his brother is like Dr. Death. Mm. <laughs> who is this who is actually a, a professional doctor, but nobody goes to him because his name is Dr. Death. <laughs> It's the name, Doctor Death. Why would you yeah, go to Doctor Death? He's going to kill me. Why would I go to go to him? <laughs> a branding problem. Exactly. Yeah, small branding problem. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, if someone wanted to uh, watch this series and not sail the high seas, where would they go? Uh, you probably have to buy the Blu-ray because they've recently released the Blu- Blu-ray. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So sail the seas. <laughs> <laughs> crunchy roll might have it right sail the heart. I, I don't know it, it, it is 12 years old and it was also it was 12 years old it is you can't find it on youtube because you know the main character and his whole premise self-deletion uh yeah in in a very specific way mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, most kids don't grow up watching your anime in a small box on on YouTube, uh, right. cut up in three parts, and it shows. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah when you accidentally find it, and it's like, mm-hmm. what is this? Why am I watching this? 
<laughs> but I watch it. But I watch whole. Se- I've watched series like that, man. <laughs> or, or when, so so Reinhold, when anime was first coming over to America, it wasn't. As, it's nowhere near as prevalent as it is now. So people would would upload it to YouTube, and usually in three parts because it, more than ten minutes at a time was mm-hmm. would get them copyright struck. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a bunch of times where you would find the episode you want to watch. And you'll find part two and three, but not part one. Mm-hmm. Part one and you have to like scour, you have to scour the internet to try mm-hmm. to find what you missed in that section, because <laughs> you know, classic mm-hmm. YouTube before it became what it is now. Yeah. Of that's how you watched anime because mm-hmm. that nobody mm-hmm. was interested in anime like that, like it is now. Yeah, yeah. or it'd be but, like a tiny box, with like some graphic around it. Mm-hmm. I saw. Um, Mirrored. You know, my first anime I was watching was early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two. Mm-hmm. So there was no YouTube. We were just getting right. There was VHS a bunch tapes of bootlegs, a yeah. bunch of bootleg VHSs, mm-hmm. and that was the wild west of of anime because mm-hmm. you never know what got translated over. Right. Like kite should not have got translated over, and you know it. <laughs> There's no reason they should have let me rent. Kite. kite, no, no, they should not. <laughs> That's a cartoon. Go ahead, go ahead. You can watch the cartoon. Oh my god! <laughs> Oof. Anyways, um, it's so bad they had to sit. That even even when they dubbed it or and they brought it over, the English version is the edited version because they cut out fifteen minutes of it Oof. because it was that bad. Oof. Oof. All right, you ready to pass the? Uh, you got oh, any yeah. more to say? You want to pass? No, I mean I just enjoy the series, and you know everybody out there. If you're if you're upset, if you like absurdist humor and very dark comedy, then there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, right home. Floor is all yours. Well, so I wanted to talk about the the kiss movie, Creatures of the Night or the Park. So in, no, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> I just saw that. I saw the documentary. They were talking about the whole mess that that movie was. Um, no, I was going to talk about uh, Kids in the Hall. So the reason I want to talk about Kids in the Hall, why it's important to me, is that. Uh, so when I was growing up, I watched you know I watched some sketch comedy, right? I mean, I I, I found in you know in my early teens, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, I found Monty Python, right? And Saturday Night Live was a thing, uh, just getting started. Um, I saw the first few, you know, first seasons of those. So I, I was getting a good handle on, on what sketch comedy was from that, but <clears throat> that's, that was boomer sketch comedy. <laughs> so in, in the nineties, kids in the hall come out and kids in the hall is Gen X, you know, sketch comedy. It's it really speaks to mm-hmm. a different mindset. Whereas um, the other, like Monty Python and and you know all the other ones from you know England, we used to watch. I, I liked English humor a lot, Blackadder, etc. Um, Blackadder. They, but they were poking fun usually at um, large hierarchies, you know, like the the elites and the and the pompous people and the people who run the governments and things like that. Whereas what the kids in hall was really about was really speaking to the suburban 
lifestyle and how how the suburban lifestyle drains you of, of anything individuality and their parents who were not good to them right uh if you watch if you know, i'm sure people have, have probably seen a few episodes here and there um when they're doing taking shots at the the parents of some of the of the uh, in those scenes they're doing their parents they're they're making fun of the the situation they grew up with right so um so i, I think that's what's really kind of drew me to kids and all because immediately the first the first episode i saw uh, the first sketch I saw, I was just like, "Yep, this is this is something I'm going to really enjoy," and I just kept uh, kept on it, and I watched, devoured it for for a long time, and then they broke up, um, which was a an unfortunate situation. But you know, it takes it it happens when you're with some you're with a group of people that long period of time, you start to get on each other's nerves, especially when you all have creativity that is again like it's slamming against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce McCullough wanted to do more directing and, um, you know, Dave Foley wanted to do more of this. And, they, you know, it, it was just, a, it was just, everybody was kind of at each other for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then it all came to a head when they were trying to come up with a, they, they decided to end the show because, the, so they got started at the, at the Rivoli, the, uh, the place that they they were at, it was it was two groups that came together and kind of just melded into each other, um, and ended up being the kids in the hall. Then they added Scott Thompson after the fact, right? So it was um, it was the four of them at first, and then they added Scott, and that was kind of the thing. And then they were got really popular, and they got really popular to the point where uh, Lauren Michaels saw them and said, "Hey, let's give you a show." Well, first. He said, hey, let's take two of you and take you up to Saturday Night Live and make you writers for the show. And that didn't go well <laughs> because <laughs> they couldn't get any of their stuff on. They weren't letting them do any good stuff. You know, it, Saturday Night Live was a little more um, boxed. Boxed, yeah. boys club. club. Boxed then. It was like you you had to kind of, kind of you couldn't go a little zany. and." They wanted to be a little zany, so it didn't. They weren't happy. It didn't work out. They ended up coming back, um, and th- during that time, I guess Dave Foley had done a a movie that flopped, and so they were all like, "Let's get back together and do some stuff, right?" So they're doing more stuff, and then Lauren Michael said, "Hey, look, let's. Why don't we just put you guys on as you?" And he put them through a whole tour where they had to kind of learn how to do comedy to Americans. I mean, it was it was harder mm-hmm. to do. In his mind, he wanted he wanted it to be crisp and fresh and everything for the TV show because TV show is different than doing it on the stage in an improv situation. You have to do you have to be a lot different. You have camera angles. You have to be tight. Comedy's got to be crisp and good. So they went through a huge boot camp. Got got to there where they could do that. They started making the show, and then they got picked up for like twenty episodes, twenty two episodes, and like uh, if it takes us three weeks to make an episode. There's not enough time in a year before you have to do the next, you know, season. We have to have a next season out. So they're they're slamming hard. They're for, so they w- start working. They do season one was really good. Season two they get kind of got fired, but then they got picked back up again. Lord Michaels made it work. Um, and then they did season three, and by season four they were all really just exhausted, fighting with each other about control of what was going on in the show, and to the point where in season five they just said they couldn't do it anymore. They were, their health was failing. They were mad at each other. So they decided to end it at the end of season five. And they said that after they decided that 
they started enjoying it again. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is this, 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 you know the stress is off. We don't have to worry about trying to come up something next season. We just do our thing. Good to go. So show ends. They decide. Uh, well, what do you do? You know, I mean, um, so they took they took like a year off. You know, took some time off. But they said, you know, Monty Python went out and they made movies. So let's go make a movie. So they got together and started putting together a movie, um, kind of trying to make the deal. The studio said, yes, we want it. We want it now. We want it rushed. We want it to go out while you're still hot. So they kind of started rushing the story, which was really not a bad story, but they were rushing it. And that was something that they fully got upset about. And then during the middle of them writing that movie, he got the job offer for news radio. And it didn't set well with uh, Kevin McDonald, who was his, basically his partner for the whole time they were doing that. It was them, too, that guys kind of got started. Uh, he took it really hard. He was also going through a divorce and having some issues in his life, too. So they ended up getting really upset with each other and to the point where Dave Foley says, I'm not going to do the movie. you know. And they said, well, the movie's probably not going to get picked up because it's, it's you know, it's not going to pass muster. They're probably just going to pay you for the movie <clears throat> and then it'll be shelved. But unless you agree to the contract that you'll make the movie, no one will get paid on it. So they conned and they said, okay. So he, he said, okay, he went in and signed the deal to, uh, to get everybody paid. And then they decided to make Lauren Michaels got the studio to make the movie. <laughs> so they was mad. They did not want to do it. So <laughs> the whole time they're making that movie, <laughs> the other four wouldn't speak to him. They were all in the trailers right there next to each other. And he was on a trailer on a, like two blocks away. They would, it would be, it was this really tense situation. Right. And then the movie came in. It, it had limited how much he was in the movie and stuff. Like, it, was, it was all just a mess. The movie came out. The movie didn't do great. Um, it was actually a funny movie, but there, I think that, it, that Dave Foley was right. It was rushed. And they weren't able to do some of the things they wanted to do because he wasn't going to be in the movie as much as he should have. So they ended up getting to a point where uh, they just they just kind of said, we're done. The kids kids all's over. And uh, <laughs> I was watching an interview, really. And somebody said, did you think that that was a betrayal? And they asked Dave Foley if they thought that the way they treated him was a betrayal. And he says, well, I don't think it was. It was. <laughs> 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 you know, there's no way around it. But um, so they had some time apart. And then. Um, him, Kevin and Dave got kind of made up a little bit and they were doing some shows with each other and doing stuff. And, um, then Scott Thompson headed out to LA and ran into Kevin and Dave got together and they all started talking and then they decided that they wanted to kind of do something in, but they didn't know what it was. So then they decided to go, go do, a um, a sketch comedy show. I think Montreal, uh, they got asked if they could do that. And then, so they put together a show, went up there and did it. It was hugely successful. They ended up saying, we really like what we're doing. And said, okay, so let's, you know, let's see about doing this. So they started doing a tour, uh, like a comeback tour in the early 2000s. Um, and it was, it was huge. It was, I wanted to go to one so bad. I found out about it. I was just like, oh, this is going to be a limited thing. They're only going to do it for a little while. And, um, turns out they they just kept doing it and they kept doing it did another one and then another one and then they decided we need to do something else besides just the tours we want to or because we're writing new material now we're not just doing the old stuff so they they put together a show called death comes to town which is a mini series that was on i think amc um and 
it was a really good, that was a fun one to watch. I watched it. It was really good. Um, what I found out though, is that during the taping of the, of the series, Scott Thompson got cancer Oh, and it was bad cancer. And he had to go through a lot of chemotherapy while they're making the movie. So he lost all his hair. So one of his characters in the show had no hair. So he could, you know, and they were trying to, and he, people were just worried about him, right? Because he would just break down and cry. He was upset. You know, he thought that, you know, the bullet that missed him when he was in high school, uh, it's a long, it's an old story about a school shooting that he was in where he was like next to the school shooter and almost got shot himself. Um, he felt like the bullet finally caught up to him. So there's a, there's a, a wonderful scene in the documentary that was just released where, uh, Bruce McCullough came in and Scott was like laying on the ground crying and Scott or uh, Bruce just went up to him, laid down behind him, held him and said, you're not going to die first. You know, he's like, Dave's going to die before you because he's going to, his wife will kill him. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Kevin will die because, you know, he'll, the anxiety will eat him away. You know, he's, it was just making fun of all the other guys saying how they were going to go before he was. And, uh, but it was a really beautiful scene where, you know, they, they talked about that. And apparently there's, there's one scene at the end of the, of the show where um, he's on stage and they're trying to reveal who the killer is and death is there. And he's in his, you know, full regalia. And he had a, uh, an, a mo- an episode where he thought it was all real and it was really the devil. And he freaked out and they had to calm him down and get him, you know, take the day off. We'll get him over. his fixed up. But, um, he got through it. He got a clean bill of health. He's doing great. Um, so they they made that. And they said, we need to do some more stuff. So doing some more uh, going around, but they wanted to get to do something new. So they came up with the uh, idea to do season six of The Kids <laughs> in the Hall a couple of years ago. And Amazon was very happy <laughs> that they were thinking <laughs> about doing that and signed them up. And they uh, recently just put out a nice... Um, a nice series of, of new shows that they, they were able to do it at their own pace. They didn't have a commitment for 22 episodes in a rushed period of time. They could make the show the way they wanted to make it at this point. They've, they've got, they've earned that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it starts off great because the, the, the way the show ended on the fifth season is that they were being buried in a grave mm-hmm. by one of the writers who was Paul Bellini, right? Paul Bellini. He's just, he's just in a towel. <laughs> you know, he was he was Scott Thompson's good friend, and they were he was a, one of the writers for the show. So um, he's he basically just puts the dirt over the top of him. Well, they started this this new season, season six, with him digging them back up, <laughs> <laughs> and they're in the same clothes that they were in, in the same spots they were in, and they look at each other like, ah, what happened? You got old. Oh my god! And they fully's like, am I still the Q one? You know, that, that sort of thing. It was it's very funny. It, it was great because they were very self-aware. They were proving to people, you can still do comedy. It's not like, you know, it, there's a, there's a, an interview that was done and, and Dave Foley was being interviewed about, you know, cancel culture and things like that. And he says, we were always, you know, um, we were, we were never against, that's right. We were never cancelable because we weren't doing anything that was like insulting of groups of people or whole things like that. We 
we were very conscious of that. We didn't want to be like that. We, we pushed the envelope. We made a lot of jokes about things, but it was never, you know, mean spirited at a whole entire group of people as it were. So um, he just thinks that a lot of people just don't know how to be funny without using the crutch of being insulting. Right. And, you know, sidetrack one of my favorite authors who's a satirical author named Terry Pratchett, which we've talked about. Uh, he made the point that satire is um, making fun of power people, people in in some sense of of control or power. If you're if you're if you're satiring people who are already being mistreated by society, you're doing it wrong. That's not satire, right? That's just that's just cruel and evil and being a bully. So there's there's a way to do comedy without going down that path. And I don't think I just think there's a lot of comedians today that don't get that, don't want to do it because it's it's easier to just be able to say what they want to say uh, without having to make it actually funny and make it actually thoughtful, and not caring who they who they insult when they do it. So they were they were never like that. They 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 do make fun of in the new series. They do make fun of uh, cancel culture a little bit. Um, very funny little skit there, but it wasn't heavy handed. It was just a little nod and a twink, you know, at, mm-hmm. at this, Oh, you're, you can't do that now. You have to, I have to fire you. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, um, they, they had a, a zoom session, uh, cause everybody was doing zoom at the time because it was the, the pandemic, right? So mm-hmm. they had a work zoom session that was so bad. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I don't know how much I can go into, but basically it starts off with one guy being accused of masturbating while he's on the zoom call <laughs> and it turns into everybody just like, everybody just go ahead and go. And everybody, you know. it, it was, Oh man. And they start the first episode. They do like a little intro sketch. Then they do the thing. And then they go into this first kind of skit. And in that skit, they proved to people, they showed everybody we're not messing around because Dave Foley and um, um, uh, Kevin McDonald were playing robbers and they robbed a bank and they're like, Oh no, what are we going to do? They're going to, they're going to be looking for us. He says, Oh, but they're looking for people who are clothed. They're not looking for two naked people. Uh, So they decided to take our clothes off. And when the police (laughs) catch them and you know, they realized at that point when they were writing that sketch that they were going to have to actually do this. They couldn't just, <laughs> you know, they, they were toying with, you know, doing like the, um, the uh, Austin Powers thing where you put something in front of her typically mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, move her. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So there's a scene where they get out of the car and they are full frontal. Right? <laughs> and, and beyond that, then they, the cops are like, Okay, now uh, jump up and down. So they have to jump up and down. <laughs> you know, stuff like it was just, it was so funny uh, because you knew at that moment they're not, no, there's no kid gloves. <laughs> they're going to do whatever they want to do. And if you don't like it, you might as well just stop now. <laughs> and uh, so the series was really good. They hit a lot of, uh, they hit some old characters. They got some new stuff going on. So it was a, a nice mix. You know, revisiting some like the they do revisit the, you know, um, uh, crush your head guy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he has a you name. I just don't remember head. it right now. Yeah, I'm a crushing your head. <laughs> um, so they do a little thing with him. They have uh, um, 
some other characters that were around. And then they got some new characters. There's one really funny one with Dave Foley, which I think is probably the best one. And it's called, it's what's called a runner where it's like a little section of it. And then they come back after a, a skit and they do another section, you know, an, another revisit of it. So it's like a runner through the show. Hmm. Um, and it's called the apocalyptic DJ. It is, is one of the funniest things without it. And, and, and it's not like what you would consider funny. It's just funny because <laughs> of the of the of the way that it um, tells a story and a guy that because he's basically got one. It's, it's in the apocalypse. He's got one record and he's got to play it over and over again. And he's like, <laughs> really cool. The morning, I wonder what I can do. You know, he's doing this morning thing and, the, and his radio voice. And then as soon as the record starts, he just goes. And looking around like you know, and then it's like oh time to stop hey how's it going you know and he's making jokes about these kids being you know we had twins one of them was a mutant you know, <laughs> ate the ate the arm of the other of the first one but uh good news is is that they grew back <laughs> so we raised, we raised them as, as our own but we keep one in a closet i'll let you guess which one <laughs> you know, stuff like that it's just it's uh, so well written and so funny and he didn't think anybody would because he he did that they fully wrote that when he was doing a sketch for his wife's comedy show mm-hmm. and so he decided you know to offer it up for this for the series and he said he didn't think anybody would get it. He thought it would be the stupid, you know, that nobody would like it. And it's literally one of the funniest things that everybody talks about <laughs> from that season. So um, check that out. I mean, the, the new season is out. If you got Amazon Prime, get it. It's great. Hopefully they've got enough support from that that they'll make a season two or actually season seven. seven? Sorry. Yeah. Season seven of Kids in a Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's really good because, like I said, they – they saw comedy a little bit different than a lot than what was going on at the time. And yeah, there's a lot of people since then that kind of use them as, you know, you hear all the stories about the people who say that kids in hall influenced them so much. Like Mr. Show did that, you know, why these kids, you know, why kids, you know, mm-hmm. one of the funniest uh, sketch comedies I've ever seen too. They were kind of the same way, but um, unfortunately he passed, you know, mm-hmm. um, Tre- uh, Trevor Moore did, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just a, a lot of really good, um, alter—I don't want to say alternative comedy sketch shows, but I mean approaching it from a different way led to a lot of other things like that. So, right, um, they're very influential in that way. If you talk to just about anybody, they they'll say that because all influenced them in one way or another. Anybody who's doing sketch comedy now, um, so they've got a lot of love from everybody. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I realized funny. the more you talked, I was trying to figure that I was trying to remember which one was which because. I knew of Wise Kids You Know and Mr. Show and and, kid, and Kids in the Hall, and I was trying to figure out which one am I thinking about. <laughs> when you said switching your hands, like, oh, cool, I, I know exactly which one he's talking about. <laughs> that and the that and the salad sketch. And this is song. The song the opening theme um is just iconic. You hear the first bar of that opening scene and you're just like, oh of that opening song. And it's um Shadowy Men on a, a, a alien planet or something like that is, is the name of the band. They perform when they did the sketch, the first the show, the first run. Um, from the pilot on, that band was playing live at each show. Hmm. They did the theme song. They would play the interstitials. They would warm up the crowd beforehand. So they were on every single show playing live. It was just awesome. 
that was a whole bunch of stories, but you know, I, I only have so much time, so I'm not going to get into too many of them. But, uh, but that's how that's why it influenced me. It was just the the, the different look of the, the the Gen X sensibility uh, onto sketch comedy and kind of understanding where our minds were at. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I realize it's it's a solid bridge where I did a dark comedy, Reinhold did a comedy, and Harry's gonna do Gundam, which is just darkness in general. Well, I'm doing a Gundam that's not so dark. It's not as dark. It's not Zeta. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not Zeta. Oof. It's not Zeta. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so back into the tales of anime that sh- or media that shaped us or shaped some of our opinion. Um, Gundam Wing is huge on my list. This is one of the I want to say like the cornerstone of a lot of my thought processes and beliefs actually comes from this small anime of Gundam Wing. This tiny little segment of the Gundam universe, this little alternative reality of the Gundams. It's Gundam Wing. Uh, So Gundam Wing tells a story of five uh, Gundam pilots, just like every other mech. They get these amazing machines and they go to earth fighting a war now this war is between when you originally finds out uh, uh there's several different two different factions one you've got the space noids or the people in the colonies um and they are fighting to get their freedom from the over oppressive earth federation forces which is also backed up by a secret organization which you later will find out is called oz and oz is backed up which you find out also later by a secret oligarchy uh, called romanfeller which of old old school kings and queens and dukes all con- you know the oligarchs holding in in the background con- pulling all the strings uh, <laughs> like like i said and it's influenced me because I always keep thinking like, you know, like, well, who's influenced this person? Who's like that? A lot of that is because of the way Gundam Wing always gets to me. The show starts off like really like simple, where uh, uh, each uh, like it's, uh, it's called oper- uh, originally it's called Operation Meteor. The idea is to send the Gundams to uh, Gundam Earth and destroy and wreak havoc on Oz to help them to destable the military organization so the colonies can get free because right now there's nothing really fighting them there's no way they basically just just steamrolling everything so they just need to put them down there for a second so the show starts off um, um one one of the Gundam pilots trying to get down gets intersected by one of the people that you will find later of uh, Goes by the name of Zex Marquis, Lightning Count. He gets interrupt. He finds out and gets and stops um, one of the pilots. His name would be uh, you find out is Hero Yui. So you got the five pilots: Hero, Duo Maxwell, Troa Barton, Catra Rababa Winner, and Wu Fei Chang. So like you know, good breakup of different uh, Gundam pilots. The let's see, like I'm I. I I always feel like I'm like rehashing, rehash the whole first episode. Everything, but like, but what's this thing that always always got me was the layers of of the like. I was like, it really hit on Gundam. Gundam Wing hit to me was a lot of the uh, opera, the storytelling of Gundam. It's not just overpowered mechs shooting each other and killing each other. It's a lot of the uh, philosophy that's in it, a lot of talking that's with it, that comes with it, that I appreciate. Um, it has, hmm, I want to say, like, some of the, I don't know, like, I always fall back to a lot of the themes and uh, 
uh, basically like a, even like some of the quotations like uh, from the special movie that that I watch every year for Christmas because it's a Christmas movie. Um, the last one's uh, it's a quote I say often is history is much like an endless waltz. Three beats of war, peace, and revolution will beat on forever, and it's a quote from the movie of this anime. So this anime keeps telling this tale of these two like factions fighting back from each other. So Oz uh, takes advantage of the Gundams coming to Earth and attacking the Earth Federation and the Oz troops as well. But Oz takes advantage of it and uses it to get rid of the people in the Earth Federation and uses the Gundams to help get rid of the people who are actually are trying to get peace and stop the um, occupation of this of uh, the space people in the space colony of the space noids. But they get they basically they use it. Basically they um they trick them so they get all the people who actually want peace and are the people who are working towards peace to get them on a uh they were at a military they were tricked the gun pilots were tricked to attack his military base but in reality they were uh people were actually meeting there to talk peace with the space colonies which they got tricked they got onto a um space uh an airplane which has the oz transponder signal so they would think they were oz uh, special uh, like heads of state leaving and the gun pilots destroy that unbeknownst to them destroying their best chance at getting like talk through peace sucks then using that to pivot to keep moving on because uh as propaganda putting on to get the gundams even to be discredited from the colonies they're fighting for i know right this is it's this that politically intrigue the propaganda war everything going back from it that um really got to me really spoke to me uh especially as because found this anime when i was a teenager so in high school so like it is you know high school kids fighting against a world they barely understand what they are and you know like basically fighting against the world you know it's 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 that bit of you know like yeah pre 9-11 world where I don't know. It's more of, of the idea of like war so distance, right? And then 9-11 actually happened while watching this series. So uh, that's why when we did want to talk about it, I did want to talk about it when it was, did come to 9-11 because like I was watching this series about war and the fights everywhere going over, uh, going on and you know, like I think I found it at the right time and with the world events that helped shape me on how I move forward for it. Yes, did I get wrapped up into the spangled jingoistness of the 9 11 of uh, the terrorist sex? Heck yeah. No, no, you are not immune to propaganda. You're not immune to everything. Like, yes, I was a whole gun for, but. I think later on when I started to get a little bit older watching and I watched more Gundam and I was watching a lot of similarities from this older story, talk about things that were watching it have played on the news. It kind of like realized to me, like there's a reason for these stories is to tell these type of stories. So that help you influence some of your opinion. So whatever, what is a good explanation like this? All right. So going through the story, eventually the two, Warring, um, basically, the earth um, gets controlled by old like Romerfeller and he actually gets a dictator, uh, reigned by Trace Kushranada. Um, and then the space colonies they spread off into like a rogue uh organization and they also get a dictator. Um, the lightning counts ex Marquis eventually shows back up as their dictator lead, and 
the two militaries want to go face off at each other, which different than most other dictators fighting each other because the dictators are on the front lines. Uh, granted, the opera probably would never happen, you know, with dictators sitting on the front line, but this, hey, it's an anime, it's opera, it happening. Um, but it's one of the speeches that happened like that uh, out there. And it's like it's theme through Treyas Kushronada with the whole thing that If you make war with just robots, no loss, then war just turns into a game. And if it's war is just a game, then God no longer uh, lends his helping hand, and it becomes this uncursed. This becomes just basically this cursed thing, and becomes an embarrassment on history. And it really sunk into me, and I was like, yes, yes, like like these drone strikes. This is just embarrassing. You, it is a game. You know, drone strikes to me, I, I always viewed it as like, then it is just the game. You're sitting with your Xbox gaming controller and you're sending people off to go bomb people. It's like, yeah, it's it, this is the game. They have no capabilities of fighting back to you. There is no risk to you. This is what's going on. And and to me, that's why it always spoke to me. Pushed on to my, um, you know, like anti-war sentiment on that way as too. The other one was also to respecting uh, human life um, and... I'll get more into this into uh, uh, when I go through Rory Kenshin is the idea that uh, like basically like the value of a of a human life, you know, war. If someone dies in battle, that uh, or just dies, period. Like it's it's a huge cost, it, and it shouldn't be something dismayed or just by just could be done by a push of a single button miles away for someone you never saw or met. Um, man, it is like I said, like going through and just trying to get to all the high points of the show. I think, um, all right, so one big thing, okay, so my political journey to getting even where I was, um, at one point in time, yeah, I was a card carrying member of the Republican Party, a Frederick Douglass Republican, but a, a member of the Republican Party, you know, heck. I enjoyed it at a time. I was, like I said, wrapped up in all of it up into a point when, like I said, going through Gundam and letting more of it sink in, more people didn't the season of liberty just fall into me that I did end up quitting the Republican Party. And how I quit, way I quit, I actually used a speech <laughs> and like picked up things from Gundam Wing. Uh, <laughs> but I'll be a Ooh, that hurt. That burp hurt. <laughs> um, it is the I want to be a loser speech. So this speech came to uh, be from the Trez Kushranada working with Roma Feller sees the a uh, lot of the suffering, a lot of everything that is going on in the world, right? And seeing the way that Romafella is making their plans, that he is trying to stop them from doing the, um, going with the mobile, which they, instead of drones, they were called mobile dolls. Let's not do this mobile dolls. We are going to go into a, we need to, you know, use more human stuff. We need to get things, people to going this way. And Romafella didn't want to do that. This is not what Romerfella wanted. So it basically put them at odds with each other. So 
that's when the I wanted to be a loser speech comes comes at the head because Trez wants to quit and be basically with the losers. Well, and I thought I had it here in my bookmark list, but apparently I did not. <laughs> Just, so, so, uh, I thought I had it here. Uh, well, you look that up. I will say that uh, I was way younger than you when I watched it because I watched it on Toonami, and I thought, oh man, that black mech with the with the scythe that has two green heads on his scythe, that one's pretty cool. Okay. I didn't get the I didn't get all the all this political intrigue. I got these are cool robots fighting each other. I'm eight. Because <laughs> I'm eight. Alright, first off. <laughs> okay. Is there some of that stuff in there? Yeah, but you have to also understand like it, it is um it's that, you know, you know it's it's layers. That's the that's the point. It's the, that's what I said. The reason I'm not doing Cowboy Bebop for this is because, as a show by itself, I I watched it when I was too young. I was like eight or nine and <laughs> didn't really understand all of the other stuff. I was more interested on look at that cool ship or look at that awesome fight scene. Yeah, yeah which Gundam does have a exactly. lot of cool fight scenes into, into it, and you get like different things, like uh, and then you get to see different like characters like more from the It's like so, even in the series, like you had Wu Fei Chang, who was the basically just a misogynist from the starting out the series. He's like he actually one of the famous quotes is, "I don't kill bleeding hearts or women." Okay, <laughs> and it was just like, "Whoa, wow." Um, let's see, let's see. So A said the perfect grade wing zero gunplay looks absolutely yes. Yeah, the wing gundam, uh, yeah, oh the zero, yes, wing zero is is an amazing piece of kit, you know. That's why I said, like, I can't wait for them to basically put wing zero in the Gundam Evolution game because mm -hmm. I will say in the uh, Dynasty Warriors game, when I play Wing Zero, I uh, I gotta put it down. I uh, destroy <laughs> everything. You know, it's uh, one of those things I do. I enjoy it. Uh, I can sit there with Wing Zero um, because you can take the two beam cannons, mm -hmm. sit into it, and spin. And spin <laughs> which he does in the series. Yep. You know, so you just kind of just, I just destroy everything around me. Is everything <laughs> dead yet? Yes. Cool. Good, good, good. good. You I got wanna... the speech? Hmm? You got the speech? I thought I thought I bookmarked it, but it's on none of my book. I wonder if I actually downloaded it on my big laptop, on my big desktop, and I never brought it back up. Probably. Yeah, like a, you know, you know, and it's you know, and it's it's like every time you bring up anything Gundam, it gets erased from the because Japan hates copyright. Oh, it hates copyright so much. Uh, just can't have, can't have my, my, uh, my, my copyrights out there. I just have to read it. I know. I know. It sucks. I don't want to. <laughs> you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a. But I think I might have to. Yeah. You got this. I thought I had it here. Which, yeah. All right. Well, that sucks. All right. This is what we do. So, mm -hmm. go ahead to read it. It sucks. Sucks. 
Anyway, so Trish Kishos, so now it's sitting in front of the Roman Philip and Ocean Egypt because called just this speech. You know, of course, like, wish I should have should have just brought up the one from when I quit the Republican Party. But anyway, so it goes, and I basically duped the mail. I'm sorry, but I cannot support the Rubberfeller Foundation and the path it is taking. So basically, like, you just said it, like, these things that you're doing, I don't agree with. Like, yes, I was all for this fighting. I'm for fighting and conquering and ruling these people, but not like this. Not like taking um, mobile dolls, basically robots, and going to killing people. Um and Duke Dumail is put back by it, actually literally pulls out a gun, you know, this guy, and he said this to him. And he basically ends with the speech, which is, <clears throat> tradition is history. It is a history of caring built by deep, true feelings of people. I do think that fighting and battles can indeed, at times, be beautiful, but at the same time, I like to express my regret over the lost souls by appealing to you to recognize how priceless man's life is. I believe what mankind needs is not absolute victory, but a certain demeanor in fighting, an attitude towards fighting. I fear that the era of the soulless weapons called mobile dolls, in other words, the era that the Roma Foundation is creating, may become an embarrassment to the people of the future. I used to think that the ideals of the people in the space colonies, such as their highly praised pacifism, were just pitiful complaints born in and out of their own ignorance of tradition. New warriors were born that surpassed even my ideals. The Gundam pilots. Tradition appears blurred alongside their true feelings. From a historical point of view, warriors who have lost what they were protecting and were further betrayed by those they were protecting are losers but they do not recognize themselves as such not only that but they retain a strong will to keep fighting the emotions of those who thought beautiful are always full of sorrow and our honored tradition disappears in the cry of the weak Winners of a battle, we eventually decline in power and become losers, and those losers will cultivate a new leader. I want to be a loser. Like I said, that brought brings a lot to me because, like, like I said, this speech be saying, like, no one to be Republican anymore. I'm done being a Republican. I'm, I'm you know, what? I'm gonna go be, I'm gonna go hang out with the libertarians. I'm sorry. Sorry, I can't be with you anymore, you know. But like, because it, and it's that thing that like most evil libertarians can even understand. It's like you were being betrayed by the people you are trying to protect. It's one of those things. Like, it's and even in this thing they give the speech, the saying that like, um, in uh, I think all these fights, how do I can retain who I am? I was like, I keep taking losing battles. I take losing battles. It's the only way I can retain and be who I am. I'm going to, and I'm going to keep fighting because that's the only thing I can do. You know, I'm going to keep going forward. And yeah, yeah, that's the, you know, it's from, like I said, like, I'll be like, what has made you like where you are? It's like, this is, I, I pull a lot from Gundam. Like, it's, you know, like, I was like, oh, well, it's just a goofy, like, anime. Like, yeah, but it's, it's got the, the philosophy that the, the the speeches it just speaks to me and it makes me like really give like a good retrospect of what's going on. Um, like this is one like Catra's death is Catra. It doesn't matter how it happened, but the colonies have teamed up with us, and we have to keep in mind that that does not 
mark the end of a war at the same time it means that our missions have come to an end from our point of view it's disappointing that the colonies we've been fighting for have changed their perspective that's what happens with wars we have no choice but to accept it the only question left is what happens when the remaining soldiers what happens within our hearts with us Gundam pilots we were completely trained to be soldiers before we ever realized it when you put everything into a battle, you start thinking you can change the, the times all by yourself, don't you? But Katra, you're not the only one who feels that way. We all do. Be, be, the, kind, be the kinder one you are. Be um, the bigger toll it takes on you. So, yeah. it's uh, We have to fight ourselves in our hearts, and we have to do it harshly in order to, do the right uh, to come to the right conclusions, even if it means our battles today are meaningless. We have to acknowledge the facts that the five of us has been become nothing more than redundant soldiers, so now let's accept it. Turn back into the nice guy once new. I just hope that something triggers your mind and calms you down. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like it's this part of the speech where the Gundam pilots are completely betrayed. Catra's dad just died after um, the uh, basically the colonies betrayed them, just turned their backs, gave them everything. Uh, so he's and he basically has nothing now. Like his 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 fortune, everything has been gone, taken by these people. And Troa, his uh, give uh, you know, he's getting ready to die, and it's just like they're all just trying to survive in this world right now that has just been just you know which they thought they had an outcome and just they end up turning on it you know everyone kept turning on each other it's uh, i would it do i say it's must watch gunner no it has its flaws uh some of the animation is poor some of the pacing is poor the voice acting some of it is poor it shows its age uh but uh some of the speeches are left alone, which only have the impact hit if you watch it and understand what's going on. And I recommend people giving it a good watch, especially the movie Gundam with Nicholas Waltz. Um, that Nicholas Waltz quotes I get from because if you you watch people deal with um, having a year with a peace, and then some people just trying to pull them back into war, what happens there? And not to be fooled by all idols and uh, propaganda and what to do with these old warriors. Um, it is. I don't know. It's. To me, it, it is comes from a this part of Gundam, which it really inspired me to watch a more of the series, more of the universe, more of the genre of, of Gundam. I already liked Mech before Gundam um, Wing, but Gundam Wing was my first for, if you're a, into the Gundam genre, like, okay, this is Gundam. I'm finally watched Gundam. What else does Gundam have? Right? You know, and that's when I got into Mobile Suit Gundam, Zeta, G Gundam, um, you know. Hey, Harry, Harry. Are you saying that Gundam Wing was your Gundam seed? I'm not saying that. <laughs> not at all. There's a series called Gundam Seed. That's why it's hilarious. Because it, 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 it grew. It grew. It exist. grew into a, a tree of Gundam. It did, that, that didn't exist. There's a reason we had to talk you down to six instead of nine on your three by three for Gundam. Mm. But I like it. it. It is an interesting series. Like, like I said, like this is where like a lot of my 
feelings, my beliefs of like people of life and war, all of it comes from it runs from the trunk of gut watching this series, you know. Um, you know, because it's I don't know, it's it's got a nice little anti-war message, even though it is about war. But Gundam also is always has never been trying to shy away from the horrors of what war is, which you know, uh, uh, Vincent's trying to warn all the new fans of uh, the Witch of Mercury. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a current series coming out that there for every happy ending in Gundam, there is a Gundam Zeta or. Iron Blooded Orphans, which is about mm-hmm. child soldiers, you know, yep. the usual things. Yep. <laughs> so people yep. who get happy about this and just like hold, <laughs> comment. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll end my thing with this last little like piece quote from Gundam is so why do people fight anyways? Perhaps the meaning of human existence lies within their will to fight. People feel a sense of accomplishment through battle, and it's also a fact that the ones actually fighting are never perceived as being tainted. So yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's my thing on Gundam Wing. What are your thoughts on that, Randall? You're muted. Still muted. I was trying not trying not muted. to be you know Coffee. rude. Um, the the thing that always that kind of got me when you were talking, you said something about the cost of battle being so high, the cost of fight uh, war being so high. Mm-hmm. It struck me because it it reminded me of some media somewhere, and I'm trying to remember. I, I had to rack. My, I've been racking my brain the whole time, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to figure out where it came from, trying to point it to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's basically the the two two societies were warring with each other, and instead of actually doing the fighting, they just had a computer run the simulations. And pick the people who got killed, and then they, they'd have to go and report in and be exterminated in order for the war to continue. And I can't remember if this was a movie, a book, a TV series. I'm leaning towards a Star Trek episode, maybe, but I don't think so. Mm. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember what story that is. My my um, brain really wants to say Ender's Game because it, that because it's that, that kind does of does sound like Ender's Game. That kind of brain concept of yeah. people are so detached from war that they yeah. that they see it as a game, but that's more. Well, they were, of, yeah, that, they were fighting though. Yeah, they were actually <laughs> fighting. It, this was they knew that they were just running a simulation in a computer to pick the people who died if there had been a battle, but they don't have to actually have the battle because then you don't destroy all the buildings, you don't destroy right. random things. You know, you just do it through that, and I think that was. That, that kind of stuck with me when I remember reading that. And that's when you said that it kind of threw me back into that mindset. Kind of the same kind of thing where, you know, the cost of war is so high and, and they were trying to deal with it this way instead of mm-hmm. uh, avoiding it altogether. And right. it's going to drive me nuts until I figure it out. <laughs> You're going to figure it out tomorrow at some point and go, oh, this is what it is, guys. Holy crap. Also, no. um, but yeah, that that's that was uh, that was kind of what I was going through when you were talking. So. Um, about Gundam, yeah, so. the, the fact that you know that made you a libertarian—that's good. That's, that's good. <laughs> when, when you realize then that, made, that, then that made him an anarchist. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you realize that you want to separate the human cost from 
robust and you don't care what happens to the other on the other side of the gun. Right. Right. And it's also not Gundam's first foray into that. Oh. I think they did it really gruesome in uh, which you don't even see it. Uh, you're not even ready for it in Gundam Double O, where um, oh man, Gundam Double O, they uh, let one of these things loose. It was like a, it wasn't even like a drone flying overhead. It was like a robot that had guns and it literally walked around and was just shooting people. <laughs> um, and uh, then they had like, some crazed person on the Gundam just like just bomb a wedding they just bombed a wedding because they were jealous that they were sitting here in this war and they could see them having fun at a wedding because like, mm-hmm. screw them and just and, and, yeah hey she got hers though <laughs> she, got, she got, her. got hers and she deserved it <laughs> but still it was like wow wow yeah it's definitely always interesting to hear the starting point for people you know, yeah, the yeah. Gundam was your starting point. Gundam Wing was your real starting point of getting invested in Gundam as a genre. Yeah, Gundam as a genre, or even like a really like really cemented my like went from a, like a passive anime watch until like, yeah, I like anime. Passive, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like yes, this is what I like. I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my first anime by no means, you know, because I've watched My Neighbor Totoro when I was a kid. Um, I you know. Ronin warriors, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but fighting you know, foodons. Yeah, fighting <laughs> <laughs> You know, but really getting into it. Like I said, like yes, and yes, and when Christmas season comes along, I will annoy my wife. Like, let's watch a Christmas movie, and I will put in Gundam Wing. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just. Well, you're doing the double header of Gundam Wing and Die Hard. No, no, we actually don't just watch that. We just watch Gundam Wing. Yeah. There's yeah. on loop. It's on a, loop. This is a Gundam Wing house. We don't do the uh, Die Hard. Okay, we, we just watch the Gundam Wing. So, sorry. Sorry. I, I do embrace Die Hard as a movie. I enjoy watching Die Hard, but I don't have it on DVD <laughs> or VHS or, or on uh, MP4. So. <laughs> but I do have Are you that. Are you talking about an anime called Die Hard, or are you talking about the Bruce Willis? The Bruce Die Willis, the, the one that people oh. saw as a Christmas movie. There's a that's, Bruce that Willis Die Hard movie? Uh, that's anime? the joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I, I've watched that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Harry, what are you going to talk about next time we do this? I don't know. I really haven't thought about that yet. Honestly, if I'm honest, I did not think what my next one was going to be. <laughs> not. I know I should have, but I didn't. Man, man, I do kind of want to go to Ramona Kitchen because it just kind of gets into the whole when I try to tell people like these are the animes that mm-hmm. maybe like think about people's life, you know, more than like ah casual and just like complete toss it off. But I kind of wanted to like a. a do those like two Gundams, then something else, and two right. Gundams, and do something else. So we'll have to go back into Gundam. Ooh, I still got war in my pocket, don't I? Oh, God, that is so sad. Yes, you do. You do oh, have your man. Why did I pick such sad, sad ones? <laughs> I mean, you, you, called your, you called your list man, down to six. Not my man, fault. Who picked these? Yeah, who picked these? Uh, I, anyway. I, for, I forced you to put Ghost in the Shell on the list. 
Because you you were fighting tooth and nail not to. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know what? You know, all right. So, since I'm, let's jump back into the Universal Century and let's jump back to technically, if I do this in the timeline correct, it'd be war in my pocket. Yes. Yeah, double O eighty O war in my pocket. Also, gun war in my pocket. Maybe the next one. So this one is pretty cool. So I need to go on this one right now. So this one is <laughs> yeah, war in your pocket. That's the one you're doing. Yeah. This is dark. This is like Ooh. I remember when I watched this one, and like the idea of them. And we won't get into it now. Them zooming in on the cockpit after a fight, <laughs> and it just got. Bullet holes and blood in the seat. It was like, oh my god, I got this. They, they play it now. They're like, no, listen, listen. War is in the game. People fucking right. die in gruesome you, you, ways. You, you don't want to lead them too far on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ryan, what are you gonna do? I'm looking at the three by excuse me, three by three, and the way I've done them already, I've almost made a cross out of the mm-hmm. middle, middle ones. I'm just going to fill the cross out and do Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-hmm. Then I'll get to the corners after that. Okay. All right. Great. Uh, I did have one thing I want to say okay. before I go too far. Um, and we, okay. I, to, I, to I, forgot to tell you, I forgot to tell you how the kids in the hall got their name. Oh, okay. okay. Where it comes uh, from. I mean, do you, I, do you guys I, have to know that Do you want to say your audio, Chappy? Yeah, your audio is on the delay again. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, bro. I just I, I figured, you know, you, you'd want it to know other than listening back and like they yeah. didn't tell me. <laughs> All right, any better now? Uh, For a no. second, then no. Yeah, then no. Yeah, then no. Well, I go to. Let's not talk. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll put a pin in it, and, I'll, and we'll let you say it at the beginning of the next time we do this. Well, All right, so you're just gonna do it next time, or are you? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I will say that I, I know is what I'm gonna do next. Okay. Uh, when I post the three by threes, uh, I've had one on there for a while, and then I changed it out because I realized I don't have much to say about it. So, like originally on three by three, I had Ronma one half, and then I realized I don't even remember. 99% of it Ooh. and the only thing I have to say about it was like the first manga I read and I got it from the person that was my first they ended up being my first girlfriend ever but that's about all I got so I decided to replace it and I'm going to talk about what I replaced it with which is the title of the series Rascal Doesn't Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai huh? so that's what I'm going to talk about next Rascal right. Doesn't Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai okay that's fine that's fine so we know what we're going to talk about now. Man, I can't wait. I can almost talk about an initial issue. <laughs> you ready to be sad? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to Christmas. <laughs> oh my God, that's the great. Uh, that sounds miserable. The Christmas episode. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get to Christmas. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, Trust me, it'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. What day does Christmas fall on this year? Um, I want to say it's Sunday, right? right? Yes, Sunday. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't, I've seen so many of them, I really don't know anymore. 
Mm-hmm. It's a Sunday. Yeah. Mail together on Yeah. Which you which most people get the Monday off because that's when it's observed. So my my job's twenty four. Some of us get two weeks off, so it doesn't matter. My job's twenty four seven three six five, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I kind of miss working at Cisco because like the they just shut down. <laughs> I miss that. A lot of factories do that. They shut down for two weeks at Christmas because of unions and stuff. Yeah. So it just makes it easier. Yeah, unfortunately we can't because you know if we do, people might just die. So. <laughs> yeah Sorry. you know all right well if you've been listening to this long in the episode thank you you're a true fan you know lucky race true fan <laughs> watching all the shows thank you all right um do also we i wanted to do this is getting long now what's time is, oh god it's almost 11 o'clock uh, i did wanted to talk about like when we're going to do the big walnut show again but we'll probably do that next monday then you mean talk, like want to do talk about it next Monday? Huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. talk. We're not going to do about next Monday. I was say we're going to four hours no, next Monday. No, no, no. <laughs> next Monday we'll talk about and try to schedule for the next uh, okay. one we do. <laughs> which I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking Black Friday personally. I will put that out there in the ether. Thinking Black Friday, you know. So, anyways, I have no problem with that. So, I mean, I don't know how many people will be able to get for it, but you know me, my life is I mean, very. We have, I, Straightforward. I have no life in, in, in you know, but, but other people might like to be. You know, it'll be Friday night. Most people are sitting around drinking with family. I don't want to jump off for an hour. Yeah, and get and get away from family so. and drink. Okay, all right, okay, all right. And if I can get Spangle over to the studio to finish setting it up, we can use the studio too. But you know, just fair. That'll be harder. Yeah, be right there. Yeah. 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 All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.